<clears throat> Hello, everyone. It's been a long time. It's nice to see you all. Wow, very nice to see you all. It's good to be back. Um, it was, I think the, the time away was good, especially since I was leading the other group. Um, uh, and I mean, I wouldn't exactly say I feel recharged. It's the end of the fall semester. <laughs> um, but um, but I think the it was good that I to focus on just one group at a time. And it's nice to be back with this group. It's very nice to be back with you guys. So I hope you've been well. Um, maybe, you know, when we have a little time to have a little bit of discussion later on in the evening, um, if anyone wants to share how things have been for you, please, please do. Um, and yeah, we have a little catching up to do. We'll do that over the next few weeks. So um, we're going to begin with um, a, I think will probably be mostly a body scan, but may also be um, a little bit of just sort of basic open awareness practice. We might, we might transition um, from a, a partial body scan into um, some open awareness, um, but I'm going to just see how how it it flows and just go I, in case anyone didn't realize this i always i never read from scripts i just um you know i i just make up the meditations um as as i do them and kind of based on how they're feeling for me so um so we'll do about 25 minutes of um kind of a what amounts to awareness practice awareness of the body awareness of the breath awareness of uh, sensations and thoughts and then um, I'm going to talk a little bit about two different modes or gears that our mind can um, can be in. Uh, one that we're all very familiar with, the mode of doing, the mode of activity, of setting goals and getting things done, um, fixing problems, finding solutions. Um, and the other, which is um, maybe like the mode of being, you know, um, or the mode of awareness. And I think so much of what we do when we practice just boils down to cultivating more and more the ability to approach our experience um, with awareness um, in the mode of being. Um, but I think it's really important to have a clear sense of this alternative mode that we're actually much more familiar with, which is the mode of doing. Um, so I'll talk about the relationship between doing and being, especially as it comes to practice. Um, that this is a topic that I think I might sort of dwell on for the next, I don't know, a few weeks or so. Um, so I don't, I don't expect to do something comprehensive tonight, but I just want to introduce this kind of, um, this pair, this, this conceptual pair between doing and being tonight. Um, I found it very useful in my own practice, and I think I'm hoping that some of you find it useful as well. So, all right. Let's get to it. So please let's, uh, get into a comfortable position. And just take a few moments to settle into your sitting posture. Feel the contact that your body is making with the seat beneath you the ground beneath your feet and legs. 
Note the sensations produced by the contact between your body and the seat and the ground. Notice in particular the different spots along your bottom, along the soles of your feet that are feeling a little bit more pressure, are bearing a little bit more of your weight than other spots along your bottom, soles of your feet. Feel the pull of gravity on your body as a whole. Feel the weight of your arms. The weight of your head being supported by your neck. And now please let your awareness come to the breath. Notice where the breath feels most noticeable, most vivid to you. Perhaps for you, it's in your belly or your chest. Or perhaps you feel the breath most clearly at the tip of your nose as air passes in and out of your nostrils. Just feel the sensations in the chest, in the belly, in the nose, wherever, wherever feels most natural to you. Just feel the sensations of the breath. Rise and fall the chest rise and fall the belly. The passage of air through your nose. And let the breath breathe itself. No need to control or Manipulate the breath. No particular way the breath is supposed to feel. Follow the breath's lead. the breath just breathing itself. And 
And whenever thoughts or any other kind of distraction pulls you away from the breath, just notice that that's happened. There's nothing wrong with that. Just acknowledge that you're having thoughts or that some kind of emotion is pulling you away. Notice the content of those thoughts or those emotions or feelings, and then just gently bring your awareness back to the breath. Now, please bring your awareness to your bottom, your buttocks. And once again, just feel the sensations produced by the contact between your bottom and whatever you're sitting on, whatever is supporting your weight. All I'm asking you to do is to notice, just to be aware of the sensations in your bottom produced by the contact between your body and the seat beneath you. We're not trying to produce any change in these sensations. We're not trying to relax this part of the body. We're not actually trying to do anything. Just noticing how this part of the body feels. Now please bring your awareness further into this region of the body, into the muscles of your buttocks, your glutes. And notice the sensations beneath the surface here. Perhaps there's some residual tension. Perhaps there's some tingling. With a spirit of openness, curiosity, just explore the sensations in your glutes.
Now, please bring your awareness a little bit up into your lower back. The muscles that run up and down either side of the lower spine. What kind of sensations do you feel in those muscles? Some of you may experience discomfort or even pain in your back. It's not uncommon. Try to move beyond words and labels like pain. Really let your awareness move into the sensations. What we call pain, what really is it? at the level of sensation. Is there tightness? Is there sharpness or throbbing? As you keep your awareness here in the lower back area, you might try visualizing your breath being drawn into this area. So you're aware of the sensations in the lower back and you're also aware of the breath. can feel the breath or visualize the breath even being drawn into this part of the body. The breath is a kind of background to the sensations in the back. Now let your awareness move up into the upper back, into the area between your shoulder blades. And as we did with the lower back, imagine or visualize the breath being drawn into this area that you are scanning at this moment. breathing into the muscles of the upper back.
Let's swing around to the front side of the body and bring our awareness into our lower belly, the area just below our belly button. This is a region of the body that often contains a lot of different kinds of feelings, even intense emotions, different kinds of sensations. Just take in the kind of swirl of feeling and sensation that you might discover here in the lower belly area. Just receiving it all with softness, with openness curiosity. Are there any parts of your lower belly that feel tight, like they're kind of holding in the muscles? Just notice where and the quality of that tightness. What does a tightness feel like? How does it affect the movement of these muscles as you breathe? Not trying to change that tightness, not trying to get rid of it or alter it in any way, but just noticing. When you've done a number of body scans and sometimes had relaxing, pleasant experiences doing body scans, it can become very tempting to start to expect that body scans are supposed to be relaxing. And sometimes they will be, but not always. And the point is not to relax the muscles or the body or the mind, but just to be aware of how the body and the mind are. It's an important thing to remember. So notice when expectations creep into the way that you conduct yourself during a body scan or any kind of meditation. And then remind yourself, it's just about being aware. Let your awareness now move up to the center of your chest, breastbone area. Just feel the sensations there as the chest rises and falls as you breathe. Does this center of your chest feel tight or raw, or tender, or warm. Just notice what it's like. 
Notice the sensations in the rib cage more generally as you breathe in and out. Feel the rise and fall of the chest, the movement of the ribs and the tissue between the ribs. Which part of your rib cage moves first as you begin to inhale? Notice how the rib cage feels as you exhale. Notice there, if there are any places in the rib cage that feel tense or tight as you breathe. Just noticing, not trying to relax that, just noticing. Now let's bring our awareness to the very top of our head, the crown of our skull, and feel the sensations in the scalp up there. And remember to visualize the breath being drawn into this area. Feel the sensations of the breath in the background of your awareness as you explore the sensations in the crown of your head. Now bring your awareness into your forehead area. Perhaps there is some residual tension here in your brow from some thinking or worrying or anxiety during the day. Approach any tension you may encounter with softness, Just letting it be there, letting tension, tightness float in your awareness. Now let your awareness move into your eyes and the tissue around your eyes.
And then let's move our awareness into our jaw muscles. And remember to keep the awareness of your breath in the background. So you're aware of the sensations in your jaw muscles and also in the background aware of the movement of the breath. Let's bring our awareness now to our tongue. And to begin, just notice how the tongue is positioned in your mouth. And then bring your awareness to the tip of the tongue, noticing whatever sensations there may be there. Now the big meaty middle part of your tongue, what can you feel there? And then the back end of the tongue, where it disappears down the throat. Now let's bring our awareness to our lips. For the final few minutes of this sitting, let's just let our awareness dwell on the sensations of the breath. Pick whatever spot you like, chest, belly, or nose. Just feel the breath rising and falling, entering and leaving the body.
And as you continue following the breath in this way, let your awareness broaden or widen so that you can just feel your whole body, the body as a whole, sitting here, breathing. And now let your awareness broaden even further, taking in the sounds and the space around you, the feel of the air in the room you're in on your exposed skin. Feeling the breath, feeling the body as a whole. And open to the environment around you, the sounds and the temperature of the air. Okay, that's great. Thank you, everyone. Feel free to move around, get comfortable, stretch. <clears throat> Okay, so I just want to say a few words about this distinction between these two different modes that our mind can take up, the doing mode and um, the mode of being. This is actually, um, it's a conceptual distinction, which I've, I'm borrowing from a book I've been reading, which is about mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. Um, it's a... Um, it's interesting stuff, and it's I'm, I'm I'm it's a it's it's a program that's designed to help people um, who are at risk of relapsing into depression, um, and um, it's been shown to be uh, very effective, and um, it's something I'm thinking of incorporating just a little bit of into the class I'm going to teach in the spring, um, a unit on this, because students have been asking for um, sort of evidence based. Um, sort of psychological uses of, of meditation mindfulness. Um, so, um, and what was interesting is as I was reading in, um, the stuff on MBCT is um, how much is just like meditation training? I mean, there are things that are that come from things like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, but it's actually like essentially just mindfulness training. Um, 
and so like everything in it was like completely familiar um uh, very little was new but it was just the nice thing about reading different um people's approaches to the meditation practices sometimes they'll use like a a term or a phrase or a metaphor or an image that kind of says, oh yeah that that resonates that 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 helps me um so think about practice in a in a in a useful way and i have found the distinction that these um these psychologists um uh are using in this book that i'm reading so the, actually if you're interested the book is called the mindful way through depression it's the um it's a sort of textbook for mbct for for people who might want to use it themselves and there's also um, other other versions of this that are for clinicians but um so uh one of the things they they talk about is this these two different gears or modes that the mind can can take up the being mode and the doing mode this will be very familiar to any of you who have been coming on tuesday nights regularly who have practiced a lot it's not like these are um you know not things that we've talked a lot about but i just it's i actually like this this way of thinking of, oh there's a there's a doing mode and a being mode i find that kind of useful and the doing mode um is something that we're really familiar with it's it's the it's the way we use our minds when we have uh something that we'd like to accomplish um where we're faced with a problem and we're trying to find a solution to it um you know like we have to get to the store so you know we figure out you know the mind helps us navigate gets us from where we are to where we want to be um or we uh you know there's a machine that's broken and we want to fix it and so we need to figure out what's wrong with it and then we 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 use our our analytic thinking abilities and we figure out you know what needs to be done to get us from the state things are in which is a broken machine to the state that we want to achieve which is the machine that operates correctly um and this is clearly a very very important um, capacity that humans have we wouldn't have we wouldn't be on zoom right now together if if we did not have incredibly powerful critical thinking abilities that's um there's nothing wrong with this this aspect of our mind it's essential it's very important um but it can become a little bit of an issue and sometimes like a rather big issue when we start to use this particular capacity to fix or to address um mental states that we have that we start to see as problems like i'm not feeling happy you know um and i want that's that i don't like that i want to fix that you know so my my unhappiness becomes a problem that i start I, and i and i deploy all these critical thinking abilities that we have and have developed to high degrees in our culture right um to tackle this problem that i have in my um in, in my psychic state um and the thing about this aspect of our mind is that it's very good at judging the difference between how things are and how we think things should be you know like the state of i'm not at the grocery store and i want to get to the grocery store like so i figure out the the the, 
the navigational pathway they need. Or this thing is broken, I need to fix it. So it's very good at constantly comparing how things are with how they should be and noticing the gap and then trying to like get one from this state to that state. Um, you know, so judgment, comparison, discrimination, um, these are, you know, the, the core sort of like ways in which this doing part of our mind looks at the world, looks at any kind of situation we have. But when we bring that kind of way of looking and thinking at our own mental states, in particular mental states that we don't want or want to fix in some way, the very tendency that that part of the mind has to judge, compare, and to notice discrepancies and to focus on gaps actually often makes the mental states that we don't want, that that don't feel good and that we want to get rid of, feel worse. Um, just by virtue of focusing on gaps, on comparison, on, on emphasizing um, why things aren't right and good enough. So, for example, you know, say, I should be feeling happy, like nothing's wrong with my life. Why do I feel so bad? Right. Um, immediately, when we pose a question like that to ourselves, most people will start feeling worse. And then we start to get into these loops where we start to um, think about like, so what is it that I can do to make myself feel the way I think I should feel? Um, how can I change things? You know, what do, what's wrong with me? Like, what what do I need to do differently? And then all of these things start to cycle, get into these loops, and we start like obsessing or like thinking very hard. And some people end up ruminating about these kinds of questions, and we end up emphasizing more and more what's not right, or what's what's missing, or what what's what's wrong with me, right? And is. And so this is simply just an issue of bringing a particular like capacity that the mind has to a problem that that capacity is not well suited to address. You know, it's it's not that there's anything wrong with that particular capacity, you know, aspect of our minds, but when we bring it to our own mental states in this way, it's like using a hammer to try to like turn a screw or something you know it's just it's just not the right kind of tool um and so um one of the things that mbct shows people who are um trying to find a different you know a way out of these kind of ruminative cycles that often will lead them into depressive states because you know a lot of what what they're what they found in their research is that people will start will feel bad and then immediately start to like approach that feeling bad as a problem which they need to fix and that will start to get them into these kind of negative spirals and they start to feel worse and worse because the very thing they think will help them this kind of doing mode of their mind actually perpetuates the problem deepens the problem and so what they need is actually to bring a completely different kind of capacity mental capacity and that's the the power of awareness which we have been cultivating um in tonight in our meditation together but also in all the practices that we've been doing together where um instead of um focusing on what's wrong or trying to um fix something 
about how we're feeling. We can just approach how we are feeling with awareness and with curiosity and with openness. Um, letting it be, not trying to get rid of anything, just letting it be. Um, and of course, this, this strikes most people as really counterintuitive because of course I feel bad, I should be doing something about it. Um, and, and I should be figuring out a solution. But of course that traditional way that most people have of trying to fix themselves only ends up actually making things worse. So um, when we can just be with however we're feeling, it immediately changes the frames through which we're relating to our experience. No longer are we emphasizing this kind of gap like between how things are and how things should be, but we can just let that experience be. And then that alone already shifts how that experience feels. It's no longer one of like a problem. We're not we're approaching ourselves as like a problem that needs addressing, but as something we can just be open to with curiosity and hopefully some kind of kindness. So it's one of the reasons why tonight when I was um, leading the bias scan, I really want to emphasize how the point of the practice is not to produce any particular kind of feeling. And as I said, during the meditation, people who've done body scans regularly will naturally have times when the body feels deeply relaxed, deeply settled, you know, and it's natural to think that that's the point of that kind of meditation to produce that effect, to produce that kind of feeling. But the point is actually just to be aware in a, in a weird way. It's like, there is no point. And this is, I think, um, you know, people have like often been perplexed by what does it mean when people say that meditation actually is, is goalless? It's actually, is, there's no point to it. There's no, there's no, you know, we're not trying to get somewhere and trying to accomplish something. What does that mean? Like, of course, we're trying to accomplish something, right? Um, but this is, it's, it's really, I think, yes, in a way we are, but what we're really trying to do is sink more deeply into our experience as it is right? Rather than get somewhere else. Because as soon as we think about getting somewhere else, producing some other kind of feeling, changing how we feel, then we get into this like doing mode of mind. And I think one of the really important things to sort of become sensitive to as we deepen our meditation practice is the way in which we start to approach meditation or the practice of awareness itself as a form of doing, right? What is actually like a practice of being very easily and I think naturally gets co-opted as a form of doing. We start to think, oh, I'm doing this in order to feel this way. I'm doing this in order to make that tension go away or to make that bad feeling go away. But the reason we sometimes feel deeply relaxed when we do something like a body scan is because in those moments when we can approach our experience and just let it be, 
without any agenda, without any need to make things different, then the body and the mind naturally often do just relax on their own. So we start to like think of it as a causal thing. Like, oh, if I do this correctly, then I will relax. If I'm not relaxed, it's because I'm not doing it right or something's wrong, you know, or this meditation, this session isn't good, you know, and that the temptation we have this thing like we have good sittings or strong sittings, right? When really there is no such thing. Like there is no, like another thing that people can have a hard time wrapping their heads around is when meditations teachers will say, there's no such thing as a bad sitting, you know? Because as long as we are aware of how things are, even if we are wound up in tension, right? Having thoughts racing through our mind, that is a sitting. I mean, like that's like I mean, that's all we can do. That's all we're supposed to do. And then sometimes, as we're sitting in that way, the body and mind will settle. But not always. And so I think it's so difficult, I think, not to become kind of instrumental or goal-oriented about practice. And at every level of practice, that temptation will be there and it'll appear in more and more subtle forms. There is no time when someone is beyond it. You know, um, it can happen at a very like sort of beginning level, like, oh my God, that, that body scan was amazing. You know, now I know what it's supposed to feel like, you know, to like very, very subtle forms of it where you start to feel like, oh, if I could just relate to this mental state in the right way, it would like soften and it would float away, you know, because we've experienced that feeling of like, oh, because I can just let that, that, that sense of like, you know, discomfort, I can be with it. And I notice, I know that feeling of how it just goes like dissolves. And we think, oh, that's what it's like to be really good at sitting, you know? Um, so I think one of the things that I appreciate about this distinction between doing and being is it just, it's a good reminder to be on the lookout when we are sitting for those moments when we get caught up by the impulse to do, which will happen over and over again. So it's not like to be on the lookout for it and to not do it, you know, um, but actually just to be aware, like, oh, I'm approaching that discomfort as a problem. I'm approaching that thought or this kind of emotion as a problem. Maybe not in like a, in a intense way, like, oh, I got to get rid of, you know, maybe like, you know, we practice long enough to know that we're not, we're not that's not going to do it, right? But like suddenly, like, oh, if I could just bring the right quality of awareness to it, it would dissolve, you know, I would see through it, you know. But that's no less seeing it as a problem as the person says, I don't feel good. I don't want, I, I, I want to feel better. It's like saying that to themselves, literally, like, why do I feel so bad? You know, after you've been sitting for a while, maybe you won't do that, but you'll still say, oh, that tightness in my chest, if I could just approach it with the right quality of awareness, it would soften and dissolve because we've experienced that sometimes, you know, and it becomes now the goal of our practice. So um, we will over and over again, start to approach our own inner experience in this kind of doing mode. The question is not like how to avoid that because we won't, right? The question is like, 
to be attuned to that and to see and to and even actually like to become really familiar with what it feels like to switch gears from the gear of awareness to the gear of doing and notice how it feels to like approach your own thoughts or your sensations with this kind of and it'll be interesting i'll be like a sense of urgency like a slight sense of resistance a slight sense oh yeah this is a problem like i, I gotta work on this you know like we so oh, i'm feeling a difficult mental state so i'm gonna really practice with it like what do we mean when we say that you know like clearly like we're gonna do something to it right but that's not what we're doing but see how tempting it is you know um so anyway i think that's so you know, I think there's nothing that I've just said that, because all of you have been in, in this group for a long time, or, you know, whether it's been in and out or regularly. So I believe there's nothing I've just said that is, is you know, unfamiliar or new to, to, to all of you. But I'm hoping that, you know, just this kind of a conceptual binary between being, being and doing is like, might be like useful as you, as you sort of, sort of, go through your own kind of like practice and say, oh yeah, that feeling of like, I'm doing something with my practice now, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm using my practice to do something. Oh, that's something to observe. That's something to be curious about, you know. You can feel moment by moment, even in your regular daily life, like, oh, there's moments when that sense of urgency arises, like I gotta do something about this. I don't feel, I don't wanna feel this way, you know. Be curious about that. Very, very interesting. Um, and that's actually a way to then switch back into the mode of being. Any moment when we are caught up by the spirit of doing can be a gateway to moment of being if we can bring awareness to what it feels like in the mind and the body to want to do something. And the sad thing is, I don't know if it's sad or not, it's just whatever. It's like we want to do things most of the time, right? Like like we want to get, like, it's funny how we, we can approach so much of our lives as like one problem after another, this mental state, that person, this event, this obligation, it's like one problem after another. And and see that and they say, oh, maybe I can then just be aware what that is, what that feeling is. And then things can shift. Okay, so I'm gonna stop there tonight. Um, so I don't know, any thoughts, any questions, or just also anything that anyone might wanna share um, about how you've been, how practice has been. Yeah, it's good to see you all. It's really good to be back with you all. So <clears throat> also any, I don't know if I was clear enough. I mean, I was kind of like paraphrasing stuff quickly. So if there's any, if there was something that wasn't clear, please let me know. I'm happy to clarify. Hi, Carrie. Hi. I, I, I was very intrigued by the doing and being distinction tonight because I kind of came to practice thinking, oh my goodness, I've been very reactive lately. And I just read something that said mindfulness and practice. That's kind of the um, the way to um, ease your reactivity and mm -hmm. and less reactive and so I'm thinking I'm thinking in those terms now mm -hmm. of being and doing and 
that it's useful, very Good. insightful. Thanks. I'm glad, Carrie. Yeah. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, hi, Bernie. It's got, I'm, I'm just really glad to be back here. This is wonderful. Um, I um, listened to 10% uh, Happier um, this morning and Orange J. Soffer, mm -hmm. that was the theme of his 15 minute talk was um, just uh, just letting go of the, the all the activity and just be like, be in the middle of, especially with this, um, season of celebration and lots of family and lots of activities just finding moments when you're just letting it wash around you and you're just being there and observing and just taking it all in and mm. I, I and it's funny how this is pretty much what I heard tonight mm. it's just a reconfirmation and it does make you um appreciate it for what it is right then at that moment right at, at that place which is you can really lose sight of that mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. thank you yeah Hi, Bernie. Hi, everyone. Hi, Carmen. It's also so good to be here. Um, I was thinking about kind of also how I, um, how doing and being is in relationships as well. And, mm -hmm. um, and not how it, I was thinking a lot about how I approach the problems of other people in my life. And I'm, um, definitely a yeah a, a big doer or um trying to help other people by fixing things or telling them they should fix things and so this this just made me think of my relationships too um so not only for myself but like how I interact so yeah really interesting yeah I think it's a it's a really powerful parallels right between how we relate to our own whatever it may be, discomfort, you know, suffering and how we relate to the suffering of others. And if we are, as Carrie said, reactive, right, to how our own discomfort, we're going to be often reactive to the discomfort of others and and try to fix their problems. Um, <clears throat> yeah, which rarely actually helps. You know, yeah. So, and again, I think it's really important not to think of this like energy of doing as a problem. You know, first of all, it's very useful, important, just like, but also even when it emerges, it's just something to be curious about. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I have this feeling of like slight kind of urgency or pressure I can feel in my chest and my throat when I feel like I got to get, do something, I got to make something happen. Like I got to get somewhere, you know, it's just, just to be attuned to it. And that's, I think, one of the useful things about a body scan. It really sensitizes you to the most subtle shifts in how your body feels. And, you know, often the body can tell you 
before you can be aware of it in your mind, when you're in that doing mode, um, you'll feel it in the body. Um, and that can also be like an early warning system in a way like, oh, wait, okay, time to like settle into a little bit of awareness. Like what's going on? How's, what's, what's the body doing right now? What's the mind doing? Yeah. Okay, 8.30. Could we sit for one minute before we say goodnight? Okay, good. All right, everyone. Good night. Thank you for being here. It's really wonderful to see you all again. And thank you, Bernie. I'm sorry my video is not working, but thank you so much. It feels so good to be back. Good. Good to have you here, Jean. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.